0: Welcome to Kelly Dry's AdLow Access Podcast, and this is Simone Roach. As we've previously discussed, there's bipartisan momentum in Congress to enact stronger privacy protections for kids and teens, and specifically, tools that would enable minors and their parents to limit algorithms and online content that fuel self-harm and addictive behaviors. These efforts, reflected in several federal bills, and now in a California bill too, built on months of testimony by a social media insider and are modeled in large part on the UK's age-appropriate design code. In his State of the Union address, the president added to this momentum, calling on Congress to enact stronger protection for kids, a move that was heralded in the media as a potential game changer for privacy that could help clear the logjam on Capitol Hill. Relatedly, report language accompanying the recently signed budget bill directs the FTC to prioritize kids' privacy in its enforcement efforts. It's certainly understandable why U.S. policymakers would want to protect the privacy and safety of minors. It's also notable that they are focusing on an area where bipartisan action might be possible and emphasizing the safety aspects of these bills as if the word privacy would jinx the effort, while safety might garner more support. But looking past the good intentions to protect kids, some of the concepts and language in these bills pose real challenges as to clarity and enforceability. And so focusing on just a few, best interest of the minor. The bills generally require companies to design and operate online services used by minors with the minor's best interest as a primary consideration. This language raises real questions about implementation and enforceability. While the bills sometimes include factors to consider, example, the types of harms to avoid or authorize rulemakings or task forces to flesh out the standards, this language is rife with subjectivity and will be difficult to interpret and apply. For example, if a company demonstrates that it made a good faith effort to develop policies to address this issue, will that be sufficient? Will companies be able to develop a uniform set of criteria that apply to all minors when these types of judgments are normally left to parents? Will rulemakings or task forces really be able to flesh out the standards in a way that the bill draft has apparently concluded they couldn't? avoiding dark patterns or nudge techniques. The bills generally state that companies should avoid design interfaces or techniques that cause excessive use of an online service or that encourage minors to provide more data, forego privacy protections or engage in harmful behaviors. Some aspects of these standards will be easier to apply than others. For example, it seems clear that companies shouldn't expressly offer incentives to miners to provide more personal data or change settings. Nor should they feature bold, enticing yes options for data collection and sharing, in contrast to tiny or hidden no choices. And of course, it shouldn't be more difficult to cancel a service than it is to sign up. But so much of this lies in a gray area. Is it a dark pattern to allow minors to win and advance in a game which, as parents well know, keeps kids playing? And what about gaming interfaces with vivid graphic pictures and details, a dominant feature of the most popular video games? Will they go the way of Joe Cabell, the ubiquitous cartoon character in tobacco ads that ended amidst controversy and litigation in the late 90s? Is a portal used by children inherently problematic because it encourages minors to return again and again to access varied and changing content? And of particular relevance to the concerns that are driving these efforts, will companies be expected to block content on bulimia, suicide, cutting, or sexual activity if that's precisely the information young teens are searching for? likely to be accessed by a minor. Many of the bill's provisions, including the best interest and dark patterns requirements, as well as provisions requiring parental controls and strong default settings, are tied to whether an online service is likely to be accessed by a minor. This standard is very confusing and will be extremely difficult to apply. In contrast to COPA, which covers online services directed to children or circumstances where an online service has actual knowledge a user is a child. This standard will require companies to anticipate access by minors, even if the company hasn't designed its service for minors and even if it has no specific knowledge that minors are using it. And although COPA has been criticized as too narrow, this new standard could be entirely unworkable while some companies know full well that minors are using their services, others don't. And will this approach inevitably lead to universal identification and age gating of all users of all online services? Given the ease with which miners can outwit age gates, will that even be sufficient? Or will companies need to set up more comprehensive data collection and monitoring systems? And would these outcomes really advance user privacy? Certainly the concerns driving these efforts, the harmful effects of social media on minors, are serious ones. They also unite members from different political parties, which is always a welcome development. However, as policymakers and stakeholders study these bills, they will likely or hopefully realize just how difficult implementation would be sending them back to the drawing board for another try. Or maybe they will ultimately conclude that comprehensive privacy legislation is still the better approach. If you'd like to hear more information on what you've heard on this topic, please contact Jessica Rich and you can find her contact details in the show notes. Also, please see our Advertising and Privacy Law Resource Centre available at kellydry.com.